0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers, past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. I am really, really excited to interview you. So this is Paula Vandegrift, and your daughter Juliana reached out to me uh, when I started doing the podcast, I think because of the Bluebells Reunion Facebook group. And she said she didn't know if you would uh, nominate yourself, but she said, My mom has a wonderful story. And then when I saw your pictures and heard your history, I was so excited to finally get to connect with you because we have Bluebells of all ages and all the experiences are different depending on where we worked, but also when we worked, because you're in those earlier days with Bluebell. And that's like these stories are just so wonderful and different. And I actually got to work with 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 Miss Bluebell sorry I'm stuttering over there so uh I want to welcome you Paula and thank you for doing this and um we're just going to hear your story which I'm so excited just from the little bit I've heard okay hi (laughs) I must be the oldest living Bluebell in England I think (laughs) how old are you 80 you're 80 okay I interviewed um Kathleen Uh oh I'm gonna get it wrong I know her name I'm just having a mind blank. We did. I did interview one other one who's 80. So, oh, yeah, it's really great because I feel like we wanted like this legacy goes on so lo- so long, and it's really important to hear those earlier days because that's why the rest of us got to keep doing it too. Is how Miss Bluebell started and the wonderful girls that she hired that kept that legacy going and started to even elevate it more. So I would love to hear where you grew up and and uh, what was your your road that took you to being a bluebell?
1: Uh, Well, I grew up in East Africa. I was born in Nairobi, in Kenya. And um,
0: when I was seven, I had polio. I'm sorry, my dogs freak out every once in a while. (laughs) Okay, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Uh, um,
1: I started to learn ballet because I had polio and I had to strengthen my muscles. And I learned with a South African teacher who was very good. And then, when I was about twelve or thirteen i went to sent to a boarding school in England a Elmhurst ballet school, which was very strict and pure, purely classical ballet and character dancing and um I wasn't really very happy there. I was very homesick but you um, went by
0: your you went by yourself right? Yes. Your family was still in Africa, and then you went to England. My and, moms
1: little while, yes. And then I had a sort of guardian that I used to go to in the holidays, the school holidays. And then the British government paid for one trip out to Africa a year. So I used to go out in the summer holidays, which was a 24-hour flight. But, and you know, only, only about 12 or 13, I guess. And But boarding school makes you very tough. <laughs> well,
0: my dogs interrupted. That was so rude. It happens almost every time I record that the cat does something, and the dogs bark. <laughs> and so, when you were t- you had polio, and so was that the doctor's recommendation for you to do ballet? Yes, they said
1: if you um, want your little girl to get stronger, take her to ballet lessons. Mrs. My name was Colchester. My maiden name was Colchester. So we had that. There was there was very good ballet teachers in Nairobi. They, a lot of them were South Africans. And they trained and, and, and worked in England, and they gave us a good grounding.
0: So what was um, that like with your recovery with polio? Was the ballet helping, or did you have some weaknesses that made it difficult? Or, I mean, it's something we don't really know much about what it was like to live with polio now, because it's not around like it was.
1: I didn't have it very, very badly, thank goodness. Oh, okay. But it was just doing, well, ballet's wonderful training, isn't it? But, yeah. Well, um, I was only seven, so we did pliés and dancing around like Red Riding Hood or Pixies or Little oh. Fairies. Or <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Made it good fun. Did, you, did it kind of capture you? To Did the ballet like bring something up like that you loved or was it hard? Because talking about being in a very strict boarding school, was it still fun at that point? Or did it get to be where it was a lot more hard work than fun when you don't get to be Red Riding Hood anymore? I wasn't really dedicated enough. Um, I don't know. I I
1: had a pony in Africa and I used to like riding. I was a tomboy and climbing trees and that sort of thing and um, a different upbringing. But um, I was, and also I was very, very tall compared to them. They were all little tiny, dainty things of about five foot two, you know, and I was always like the big giraffe galumping around. And... um, but I, I survived the five years there and, and took some exams, and then it came time to leave school. And um, they sort of, well, dismissed me, you know, because I I wasn't going to ever get into a ballet company. It wasn't good enough or didn't work hard enough. But I thought I could do like what they called musical comedy, the musical shows. So I went to a school in London for a couple of terms that did tap dancing and jazz and not so concentrated on ballet. And there were other
0: tall girls there, so Oh, was, Yeah, and then- Was it um, more fun? Did you have more fun doing that? Did it change fun, than yeah. doing serious ballet?
1: Yes. And um, I, I first went into a pantomime called Aladdin on the coast of England. They came to the school and auditioned and we were all about 16, 17, and we got to be the in the line at Aladdin um, which is all about uh, a Chinese widow with a naughty son. I can't remember what. Uh, no, Aladdin had a magic lamp, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And we were like fairies in the grotto and that sort of thing. and um, A Chinese laundry and that sort of, it was fun. And um, then afterwards we saw an advertisement for, in the Stage Magazine a newspaper, which said, don't delay, see the way, the, see the world the bluebell way. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was auditioning in London in um, Soho on a certain date. So I thought, oh, that'd be fun. One other girl from school had got into the Bluebells and she was in the leader and we heard she was doing great. And so we all went along to the rehearsal rooms and um, in a very sleazy part of London, full of um, pornographic shops and sex shops and Prostitutes, but we got my mother night, and, um, and we had to have a little number all organised. And I did it to Zippity Doo Dah, which probably no one will remember. But you had to have your sheet music because there was a pianist there. And um, I went in and changed into my nice blue new leotard, and I told my mother to wait in the cloakroom, the changing room. She wasn't allowed to watch, so I did mm. my little number and. Um, got chosen to go further and then she had us all lined up and said do some high kicks and she said now do the splits and I did the splits on my right leg and then she said now do them on your left leg and um, I'd never done it or been able to in those days but I did them on my left leg and that's the first and last time I ever did them.
0: (laughs) That's so interesting. When we talk about the auditions that pe- people in the '80s and '90s, they were just these huge cattle calls with Don Arden and Bluebell, where everybody learned the same thing, and then you would get cut. But the I, I'm hearing some of the stories for or earlier back where you made up your own routine, which is so dis- so different than how the, a lot of us audition for any show. And so you had to, so if you weren't a good choreographer, I hope they had ways to like really see what you could do because not every dancer is a choreographer to come up with this, you know, well, snazzy you do- routine.
1: So oh, you choose your best mo- movements, don't
0: you, to your own
1: advantage. I think I cheated and told, stole a whole lot of choreography from the plant mine. But, oh, that, but that's right. He, he did give us a set. I can't remember what it's called. A set routine, I suppose, to see how quickly you could pick up the choreography, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. If you were capable of learning it quickly. So um, I got chosen and um, was thrilled. And then my mum said, what should we tell dad? Because he was in Nairobi, we were in London. So we just sent him a telegram saying, going to Paris, have joined the Bluebell Girls. And that um, was quite all right. And because I was only 17, you had to have permission to um, go on the stage. I had to go to Bow Street Magistrates Court and get permission from the to go abroad and go on the stage. So that was about... January, February but I turned 18 in Paris in March and when we got to Paris we had to report to the gendarmerie every once a month if you were under 18 which was pretty really? um, good and they I remember the questions they asked you had to fill in reams of forms what was your grandmother's maiden name or what when was she born we just nobody knew that date so we just made up a whole lot of dates <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's so interesting because it feels like it's really relaxed in some ways that at 17 you know you, you're going to go to another country and dance but at least they're checking who's coming in did yeah. your parents know what the bluebells were had they seen a show like that to know what their daughter is going to go off and do
1: and and miss bluebell talked to all the parents oh, think- oh she's when she was talking to me, I, she said something about your parents and I must have pointed to the cloakroom. And she said, my mother said, my mother, she says, is your mother in there? And I said, yes. She said, tell her to come out. She can come oh.
0: out. <laughs> so, <laughs> She's time out. So yes. what did she tell, what did she tell the parents? Do you remember that? Like, were you really excited? Like you're going to go off to be a professional dancer, but could, yes. that's a lot. Yes. That's a lot of information to take in.
1: And she said she said to the parents you know we do chaperone them they're very well looked after and um we make sure that that where they live she'd found us a hotel to live in in london in paris and um before we started rehearsals and she showed us um it was in the moulin rouge we were called the margaret kelly dancers but it was miss bluebell she had that as well as a leader yeah. and um it was a very sleazy part of Paris, but she told the hotel, you know, who we were. And then we, we all had, we, I paired up with a Canadian girl and I'd been to boarding school, so I didn't mind sharing with a very strict boarding school, so, but it was still pa- paradise. Yeah. And there was a Russian bistro down the road. We could go and have meals at and an automat next door to the Moulin Rouge, which was, I don't know if it's still half a cinema, is it? or is it all theater now?
0: It's, it was, it's all theater now. At it's, least it's now.
1: A cinema and an automat in, really? in our day, yes.
0: Wow, so was the Lido um, de Paris happening at the same time? Did she have dancers at both shows? Yes. I and, think uh, a lot of people don't know that part that Miss Bluebell did have dancers over at the Moulin Rouge back then. So she had both, both theaters. Did you guys yes. know each other? Did the dancers ever um, meet each other, or do get to be friends? We were absolutely in
1: awe of them because the first night we were there, she took us to see the show and we saw the costumes and the scenery and a swimming pool and a waterfall and 12 boys and 12 showgirls and 12 dancers. And we were just, oh, and, <sighs> and they were beautiful, weren't they? They yeah. love English girls in Paris
0: hmm. and, and ballet trained, yep. So did you come st- in? Oh, go ahead. Did you come in to a new show at the Moulin Rouge, or did you come in to replace someone? Brand new, brand new 12, show. Well, new,
1: brand new dancers, and wow. it's like a vaudeville theater in those days. They had different acts every, every so often, and they, they changed every month. They had acrobats or singers, or once they had a sea lion, and with that we shared the dressing room with the sea lion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, I've never a, heard that. We in any interview so far. There's been all kinds of other animals, but so what did the a, sea lion that he was in the act? He was
1: in an act and the poor thing, he <laughs> was in a big tank. That and just used to bark all the time. I'd be horrified to see it there now. I don't know what they did with it in the daytime. Yeah.
0: Oh, there's ghost. things that that, would, that happened in show business back then that would never happen now. the animals. No. Oh my gosh. So he was in the he was in the dressing room with you. Yes. A sea lion. Yes. Okay, that wins for the most odd backstage story I've heard so far.
1: <laughs> a barking it an, sea lion. He was nice and he didn't smell or anything, but he must have been so lonely now. I think back on him, you know. Yeah. We used to him. He used to bark at us. He was nice, old boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did they move the tank out on stage or did he come out of the tank to go on? I'm just so intrigued of how a sea lion gets from backstage to on stage. I was picturing this wet sea lion going through your backstage area.
1: <laughs> we had, there was sort of, it was so primitive backstage. We had a sort of iron staircase. It went straight up with um, really hard iron steps. So I suppose he, they took him out of the tank and flopped him down the steps. And and the, the only toilet was shared by musicians, dancers. The acts was... Um, a, French hole in the ground I don't know if you've ever seen one of those yeah with with sort of pedestals either side which was awful
0: and that was your backstage bathroom yes oh my gosh okay I'm just picturing like the glamour of the feathers and all that and then this is this is so the opposite and that makes this even more like what the audience sees to know that you guys are squatting back there and you have a sea lion backstage (laughs) just like the glamorous life of a showgirl Oh, but they had
1: the French can-can girls there, the traditional real French can-can girls who were all brilliant at the can-can. And they had a shower, and so we were allowed to use the shower. Because in the hotel, there was just a, a sort of basin and a bidet, that's all. No bath and no shower. And if you wanted a bath, you had to pay extra, and it was locked up. Oh, so yeah. People used to shower in the French can-can girls shower which was which was um primitive but at least hot water you know and you could get washed and
0: yeah so they the can can girls did they only come on it was in your show right they would come in your show and do the can can that was that all they did and then you guys did the rest of the show
1: they did i think they, they, they did the opening No, we did an opening number with very blue bellish you know with sequins and feathers and choreographed by an Argentine guy who was very camp and bitchy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <really? laughs> yes.
0: Got to have one of
1: those for every show.
0: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: but he was all right. And I think they closed. The sh- they did maybe one or two numbers. Um, They were completely separate from us. And they had a traditional CAD CAD costume on with big bloomers. So it was very, very decent in those days, you know. Yeah. They, but they, they, that's like splits and cartwheels and whirling around in a like a cart a, a real old-fashioned can can and they were all good
0: so yeah. i have to ask did you ever do the splits in that show no <laughs> <laughs> I so you to can that. do it on one side but you didn't have to do it let those girls do all the splits and the hard work I, um when I went to the Tropicana, we
1: did a, I wasn't with the Bluebells, but we did a Can Can number, but we had a big skirt and you could cheat. You could keep your knees bent under Oh, yeah. You,
0: <laughs> you can hide everything. Yeah. How long yeah. were you in that show, like, or, or at least in the Moulin Rouge? Because did you change over different shows or how long did you actually stay there?
1: Yeah, roughly a, a 10 months or a year. And then she just came in and she said, We're closing in November. Um, I haven't got any work at the moment possibly a tour in Italy later on but but by this time I'd met my future husband who was a musician in in the show and um, uh, that was it he was working at the Lido and the Moulin Rouge he was doubling up so I went back home to Africa for a holiday and then um, nothing didn't hear anything from Miss Bluebell nothing nothing and um, nothing from my friends, they weren't working. And then uh, my husband was called Teddy. He wrote to me and said, it was called the Ballet Alaria, it was Argentinian. It's going on tour and they need a dancer. Um, And you can have the job because the choreographer was Argentinian and he knew I could dance, you know, and fit in. So I went back to Paris and we started rehearsing on New Year's Eve and Nothing to do with the bluebells. I'd finished with the bluebells then, but we we um, got a contract to go in Madrid. We we worked in Madrid, and it was in time of Franco. I don't know if you know the dictators, and the censorship was so strict. Um, We had like a two-piece costume, like a marimba costume with a frilly skirt and a and, and the skirt, and we couldn't show our belly buttons. We had to have a flesh-colored leotard underneath. And the boys had little Panama hats and stripy pantaloons. They had to have a Band-Aid
0: over their belly button. They weren't allowed to show them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's very interesting of why the belly button is scandalous. Yes, and they used Even to Even on boys. Them. They were very strict. They used to send the sensors in to, to make
1: sure everything was tickety-boo, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, there was a lot of, there was a, 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 not really a drag number, but one one of the boys used to sing Viva Espana, dressed as a woman, in a flamenco costume, and they got wind that the sensor was coming in. And as I was tall and big, they said, Paula, you've got to learn this part, you can do that part, we can't have a, if they find out it's a man who really does it, we'll be closed down. So I like had half an hour to learn all these Spanish lyrics, Viva España, and go on and mime it and sing it, <laughs> which was great fun. Oh my
0: gosh. Wow. Wow. Okay, this is so fascinating. And it's <laughs> interesting that Bluebell didn't have more work. What year was that that you actually did that year in Moulin Rouge? 58. 1958? Was there just not that many shows? Because I feel like she did get a lot more things coming up later, but... To just go home and wait around has got to be really hard. Yeah, yes. I
1: don't know if you didn't have a home to go to or what you could have done. Or um anyway, we went with the Ballet Laria to Barcelona after that and then to Stockholm. And um three-day train journey from Barcelona to Stockholm. And he our boss was the owner of the ballet was so stingy he only paid for a like a sleeper for one night so we set up for two nights but um, oh my cr- gosh <laughs> his company we were all young i was only 19 we, we didn't mind and and right um, stockholm was freezing cold it was like march and we only you should have The sea was frozen, it was icy, and you should have had thermal, everyone would have thermal jackets. But we had like light coats that you wore in Paris, so we nearly froze to death. And we were still on French salary and you couldn't have a coffee or a drink without buying a meal and everything was so expensive in Stockholm. But we found a cookery school um, called, that turned out all the, a big, Huge smorgasbord that all the pupils had cooked. And um, they they loved it. We went to, it saved our lives and we used to stuff our pockets with cheese and stuff like that.
0: That's <laughs> um, such a dancer thing. Oh, yeah. I cran- had
1: venison with cranberry sauce, which you don't think twice about now, but the French girls were horrified. They said, you can't eat jam with meat. What are they doing? You know, <laughs> <this> dreadful... <laughs> people, but and um, saved our life for that and also just um, staying out of the cold. I don't know. The Swedes were bowled over by this Argentine company. So do they love and you
0: guys? I, beg pardon? Did they love you guys? Did you guys have like full audiences and well yes, received?
1: Yes. yes. And after that, um, that contract came to an end and my husband, went with the ballet again to open the Stardust, the very first Stardust in 1959, I think it was. And um, he didn't take me out. I don't don't know why, I didn't go. And uh, I got a job at the Nouvelle-Eve in Paris for a while. And then two of the French girls went home from Las Vegas. They were homesick. So Teddy said, you've got Paula, you've got Paula, she'll come. So I came over. I did a moonlight clip from my contract in the Nouvelle, which I'm ashamed to say, but I had a little dog by then. And so I flew over.
0: When did you get uh, married in the middle of all this? So you met your husband at the Moulin Rouge. When did you actually get married? About 1961, 62 in Las Vegas. Okay. So not till you went out to Las Vegas. Okay. Wow. So, so did you go to Las Vegas with any idea of what to audition for or what was there? Or you just, just went to go good. check it out?
1: No, still with the same ballet, Laria. So oh, you,
0: I, I knew most of the numbers there, so it was good. I had to dye my hair black. Really? I've heard redheads and blondes for bluebells, but black for this
1: one. Oh, to be um, Latin American, but they were French. I was English and one girl was American. So... It was and uh, oh, one English boy. And and he was he was a very very good choreographer, and he had, we had, very striking makeup, and he did a fantastic things with lighting, and music, and it was it, it was good. It was different.
0: Did you stay in one theater? Or did you tour around? Like once you got to Las Vegas, did the show stay there in the theater? In the in the Stardust. That was at the Stardust. Okay, that was. And that had nothing to do with Don Arden or Bluebell yet, right? I don't know when they went into the Stardust. That was later. No, that's, that's right. I but mean, I, I
1: saw a couple of girls who had been in the Moulin Rouge with me, which was nice. And um, afterwards, we had an apartment in Las Vegas with a swimming pool and a car. And um, I never wanted to go back to Paris again.
0: <laughs> you probably and, had a, de- a toilet that was not a squatty potty uh, and real showers. Oh, God. And... Um,
1: Yes, purpose-built,
0: fantastic
1: dressing rooms, you know, with mirrors and central heating and all lovely showers and everything, and wardrobe ladies and.
0: That's like just the opposite. You get to be like pampered. So there was no sea lion was, or animals and back there
1: um, not That show closed. They bought in the the whole new troop of bluebells, so that's when I started. Um, auditioning i worked at the riviera
0: after that for a little while and what um, was there because i i was in there in 1979 all these hotels are gone now so a lot of people don't even know like but the older bluebells know like some of these names of like the big hotels in, in vegas at the time and there were were there shows in almost all of them it feels like there was vegas was full of the big shows
1: we had frank sinatra and sammy Davis and dean martin you know it was that era victor yeah. moan um um bobby darren yeah. afterwards i worked at the flamingo the line there was bobby darren victor Damone, jack castle um and you could see so many cheap lounge shows in those days it was yeah. buddy rich and harry james for the price of a, a glass of beer really and in in the flamingo, one of the deals was you had to mix. So you you did your number or two, and then you had to sit out in between shows in the lounge, and um, get pestered. Did you have to be all
0: dressed? Did you have to be all dressed up with the ma- full makeup and everything? And
1: yes, yes, wow. and 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 really get annoyed by
0: drunk. Sh- did they have the shriners when you were in Las Vegas? I don't remember. As- If that was around, I know who the Shriners are, but I never saw anything like that.
1: Used to have conventions and thousands of them used to descend on Las Vegas and get roaring drunk, pinch your bottom and make, you know, and you you couldn't, you just took it into your stride then. They could never do it now.
0: Right. And if something happened, could you tell anybody or you ladies just kind of had to watch out for each other for your safety?
1: That's tough. You know, that's part of the deal or, you know.
0: Yeah, that's so, it's very different because I just, because back then it's also a lot of mafia, uh, like Vegas was very different. Did you guys feel that or know that? Like that was a lot of what Las Vegas was back then? We, we knew um, the pit bosses were always very
1: sinister. Really? And, and there was an eye in the sky, wasn't it? Always watching the, the gambling. Now they have cameras everywhere, I suppose. Or Yeah. yeah.
0: So how, how long did you live in Las Vegas?
1: Six years.
0: Were you dancing in shows that whole time?
1: Yes, yep. I ended up in the Dunes Hotel, which is no longer there, is it? And oh, that was yeah. produced by Frederick Apkar, very, very much like Bluebells and fabulous costumes and things like that, yeah. Which show was that one? The very first one, Kasi, Vive les Girls was the first one in okay. the lounge and um, there were only six of us, and then um, six showgirls and singers, and it was very close to, it was nice, it was in the lounge, but we did three shows a night, no time off, did you? Well, um, sort of eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, and then the the one o'clock or two o'clock show, seven days a week.
0: No days off, oh wow.
1: No days off. Wow. And then I went to the dunes after that, he's, he's, he um, branched out into the main showroom and um, we did have days off there. I was a swing girl in that. We used to have three days off like every 60 days. It was very, not very much. But you, when you were in Las Vegas, you couldn't really see anything else of the country, could you? Because it was so far away from you. You just had your days off in Las Vegas or make a flying trip to Los Angeles or somewhere yeah, well, like
0: that. What was your life like in Las Vegas because it's you know, unless you can get away there's there's I'm not sure what it was like in the 50s to get out and do things or do you just rest on your days off
1: no we we used st- did you could you go up to Mount Charleston did you um...
0: yeah I only lived in Las Vegas for two months and then I went to uh, Reno for hello Hollywood hello so I was only there a short time but I've gone back to visit but I know like you know people have a car they could at Mount Charleston I heard people going out. And away from vegas but to actually not leave this the strip or that area would be hard to do that for a long time
1: well you could you could go riding except you weren't it was you weren't really allowed to ride in case you fell off and broke a leg where you it was in our contract yeah oh there was lake mead where there was you could have a boat or water skiing and we knew everybody because it was only like five hotels and we knew everybody on the strip and all the girls and all the acts and being in Paris or Madrid or Barcelona was really nice small small place like that
0: yeah I feel like your your life is so international because you've traveled but then that's the wonderful thing of the shows is the show is international so you're meeting people from all different cultures and uh, it definitely expands your worldview as opposed to staying in one place. So you were married, married at this time and your husband, was he a musician in Vegas and like one show or did he kind of pop around different show to show? He
1: stayed at the Lido for ages, always. Oh, really? Yes. And then um, the unions, after I divorced, I found out that um, that's when they started recording all the shows. And he told me that the union american musicians union was too weak they couldn't fight the big casino bosses so um they all got fired didn't they and they recorded all the music and um he became a dealer a really? Kino, which is a, like a lottery game so
0: yeah i remember like, Kino. oh my gosh that's so sad about the musicians that that like that's their livelihood Yes. And it can be pushed, because we were talking about that before recorded too, like to, to go see the show that you were in with live and then have it be pre-recorded, it feels really different. Even if the audience doesn't see the orchestra, it's just still, it's not the same. And then those musicians that, yeah, your music I, is now recorded and you don't get to get paid for it is really sad. I, I remember going into the sounds it must
1: have been about 1960, and there was Nat King Cole in the lounge singing Mona Lisa, and oh. Majority, which was fabulous. And you could see like um Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, and the, the the guy with the huge Count Basie, all sorts of musicians like that. All just for a price of a drink or two, because they used to make so much money gambling, didn't they? Right. And you had to but it's all different now. So.
0: Well, that's, I was telling somebody because when I lived in Vegas, I was only there two months. I had no money, but I was still able to see so many shows. And, but then like I went back years later and went to see some like Cirque du Soleil where the tickets were $100. <gasps> and like, yeah. if you have to go to Las Vegas, you have to be stinking rich to, to see entertainment. But like back then, I go, how did I afford to go see Cher one night and go see a big show? But it really was just like they get you in there to see the shows and then they hope you spend all your money gambling and drinking. But it definitely made it where you could see more things instead of like, okay, I can see one show because it's so expensive. Because I feel like the opportunities is great because it gets people in all those casinos. Because all the ones you're naming, like the Riviera and the Dunes, I think the Tropicana is gone too now. It's just really? I, I oh. might be wrong. I think that might have been, might have been one of the last shows to close, but I could be wrong on that. But I just feel like a lot of those iconic hotels that you look at those old movies and you see like the Dunes Marquee and it's just to go down there now and not recognize any any of those signs. I've heard there is a sign graveyard where the marquees from the hotels are on. I just wanna go take a picture of it because there's something of that kind of glamorous and, and crooked <laughs> Vegas days too, like with the mafia. Did you, and did that ever affect you guys besides having to um, hang out with them? Was that every night you had to hang out in the, out with the oh, patrons? They- Never, never,
1: never with the bluebell. She wouldn't have allowed that. But, yeah, that's what
0: I heard. That's what I was surprised.
1: In the flamingo, yes. Um, and, well, some of the girls, they sort of um would go with, a, there was a lot of fur coats floating around, if you know what I mean, because furs were in fashion then, lovely mink coats and chinchilla ch- 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 coats and, they they could do that sort of thing. I don't. The bosses just turned a blind eye to that. So
0: really, but um, so if some girls have I, some and some don't. You're kind of like, huh?
1: Yeah. Yes. Wow. It was very glamorous. Everyone was very dressed up, weren't they? They were always in, in evening dresses, and the guys always had suits on with a smart tie. And like I said, lots of everybody had fur coats in, the, in those days, and. Kim Novak came to see the Stardust one time and Elvis Presley, because when he was making um, Viva Las Vegas, that film yeah, I was done, and he was dating one of the girls in the show and he was in backstage and I just came in uh, to go in for the second show and there, there was this man there, and he turned around and I was six inches from him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my wow! gosh. <laughs> <what>? <laughs>
0: Back then, I feel like there were so many, like there's a lot of people, even from the early days of the MGM, like how Gene Kelly, they just would pop it. Sammy Davis Jr. I feel like every Bluebell dancer met Sammy Davis Jr. because he would come to all the shows and he really liked to hang out with the the dancers and the uh, acts and all that. So I feel like that's such a time that's no longer here. But did you meet other celebrities? Andy Williams.
1: He married a friend. Girl, I don't, uh, but there's every, um, I'm so old now, most people haven't heard Bobby Darren. He was married to Sandra Dean those days.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was really naughty and stuck up, and so was she. They wouldn't speak okay. to us. Really? Because that's
0: the interesting thing, too, like what they're really like to other people. Wow. And Vic Damone,
1: who's a crooner. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? Oh. Oh, very famous American comedian. He's long dead now. Not, not Jack. Um, I can't remember. Um,
0: never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hope. I'm just reaching no. for names.
1: <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor backstage. Liz Taylor, yes. Oh, tell, tell, tell. He came in the Tropicana and um, she, she was still married to Eddie Fisher then. And um, she used to come back in the dressing room and she'd pick up a lipstick. She said, oh, this is a lovely color. Can I borrow it? And she'd just go in the mirror and put, your lip, put lipstick on them. She was oh, really, yeah. nice. And
0: so, really nice. She's so really nice.
1: They're beautiful. And you just
0: looked in those violet colored eyes, which yeah, is wow. So she really was. Yeah, because I feel like some people in person, you know, they live up to what you see on film. But I love that she was just so casual with you guys backstage yes or what's so this? she'd say what
1: that what are your false eyelashes and who makes them and that sort of thing she was really interested in makeup and just borrowing everyone's lipstick which was nice
0: <laughs> again now we wouldn't get away with a lot of those things but that's pretty that's pretty um intimate if liz taylor wore your lipstick yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah wow so people could just wander backstage that's the other thing that seems bizarre is like that celebrities could just come back in your dressing room
1: only if you were Elizabeth Taylor. That's true,
0: yeah, you can do what you want.
1: Or, or Sammy Davis or, yeah, someone like that.
0: Yeah, I, so did um, you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, what, go ahead and say what you were going to say. My cousin was crazy about Elvis
1: Presley. So I sent out a program and asked one of the maitre d's in the showroom, would you ask him to autograph this to Anne Elvis Presley and it came back in pencil to an Elvis Presley and for 20 years I thought I had his autograph but when we took it to Sotheby's they said oh no this isn't a forgery so somebody just scribbled on the Elvis Presley which was a shame really wasn't it
0: oh <laughs> but you did get to see it like really really close up so that that's still that's legit oh, so, so did you work.
1: Marlena Dietrich I worked with Marlena Dietrich <gasps> in Riviera she she's given me a signed photograph but if I, I bet if I look at it carefully it's probably one of those auto signatures isn't it
0: Yeah did, were the, you Mar- she was in the show with you you were were you yeah. a dancer and she was a what was that show what what was that like
1: That was great fun and we we changed every month there
0: was Rowan and Martin um yeah. Oh my gosh I'm loving all these names I recommend. We did all of a
1: them. lovely Marlene Dietrich. You remember she used to do a number in the tuxedo and top hat. Yes. She, yeah. And we all had um, short, like tuxedos and bowler hats and a cane, and that, that, at the, the finale, and it was her choreography. We had to do what she wanted. So. Really.
0: Oh my gosh, that's, that's a, a really fun, really. That's amazing because so I think meeting Elvis and that get to be on stage with someone and perform with them feels a little bit different. She, which she was, where, which, which hotel was that? Riviera. That was the Riviera? That was her own show? Just for a month. And then I don't
1: know yeah. where she went after that. But she kept herself to herself very much so.
0: Yeah. And
1: Did you go show to show? Her Did you have
0: to audition between things or was there always work to be had? Once you got on the line, you just
1: stayed there and yeah. learned a different scene every month.
0: So they just kept changing the show. You didn't have to go out and look for new shows once you were there with and that was all Frederick Abkar.
1: And then um, I think they they changed and put up a musical in a French musical with Juliet Prowse. I can't Ooh. remember. Um, oh, it's a famous French musical. Not like uh, anyway. Then that that was when that ended, and they didn't have a line, a chorus line, or anything like that. So that's when I went to the top, the flamingo. After that, but I had to learn a whole lot of new jazz moves and routines because we we never learnt that in England. Well, I'd just been to ballet school and sort of I could pick up things, but learning jazz was really different. Yeah, but I yeah.
0: Whose show was that? Was was that a different producer, different choreographer at the Flamingo? Yes, Barry Ashton. I worked with Barry Ashton. Yeah, that was definitely a different style. Yes,
1: yeah, yes.
0: I, I worked at Barry, uh, Puerto Rico. There was a show there. Ashton yeah. Kochman, I think it was that they were co-producer. Okay, so that goes back. Wow. So that show, I feel like you get a little bit showgirl, a little bit of like musical theater kind of choreography in those shows. Yes, yes. So that was something new. Was that kind of fun to switch it up a little bit and and
1: be challenged that way? Broke up the monotony. Except you got very tired rehearsing, didn't you? I did, because you did the show at night and then you had to be a
0: rehearsing at 10, so you only got a few hours sleep. Oh my gosh. It's amazing what young bodies can do or what you just go, okay, I'll do (laughs) like now. I'm like, I can't imagine living that mm-hmm. life of yeah like sitting up on sleeping on a train but when you're younger I remember I could sleep on the floor of an airport or whatever you need to do but I mean, yeah. yeah dancers don't really uh, advocate for them for themselves very well so you just do what you do to get the job how long did you do that show at the flamingo
1: six or seven months and then um I auditioned for Frederick Apcar for Vivle Girls for the lounge, and um there were six of us and showgirls and um I can't uh, yes but anyway we did we did Vivle Girls must have been over a year by then and then we went to Reno for a little while to the Riverside huh? no but it went
0: bankrupt while we were there oh okay. So I don't remember the Riverside. I lived in Reno. I'm like, wow, how was how was Reno after being in Las Vegas? Was I mean, it's still Nevada, but it's different. It's a very different city. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I suppose that the Riverside was by the river by a bridge. I remember. Huh. we were we were only there about six weeks,
0: and then the show closed and the went bankrupt. Hotel, hotel oh. went bankrupt.
1: Really. That's when I went to the Tropicana for a while. And then um, Frederick was auditioning for the big Casino de Paris, Frederick car and had to have 12 dancers, 12 showgirls, 12 boys, and um, singers. And,
0: and that was at the Tropicana? Tanya a Little. Yes. I know the dunes. The dunes. Because it feels like... There was like the big producers, Don Arden and Frederick Apcar, but there were other shows, but they were kind of the big ones, right? That had did Frederick Apcar have multiple shows happening at a time?
1: No, just in I no, just in the lounge of the dunes and in the big casino. And and there was a big in that show to take the place of the sea lion. A little tiny little thing. She still had a little fuzzy hair. Oh Tanya, she was called. Uh, no. Oh. and that um, she used to um, you remember the candy vending machines? You put your money in you pull yeah. the. Levers. She used to run her trunk up and down the trough and pull all the levers to see if she could get some candy. Because <laughs> we used to get peanuts for her. Oh but my she, gosh! Goodness knows what happened to her mother and father and all her siblings. That's very sad. But she was a nice little elephant.
0: Yeah. Did she have a place backstage that was, or did they take her home? Because that's when I, we hear these stories and then we go, wait, where did they go afterwards? Like, I think at the time we kind of were sad, but now when we think about how animals should not be treated, like, well, where did Tanya go the rest of the time?
1: Well, she had a stable somewhere or something like that. I know he had a horrible pointed goad if she was naughty or didn't go quickly enough, you know, he used to just prod her with that. It was sharp at the end.
0: Oh, so but they have very thick skin the elephants but it must have hurt her yeah i feel like she might have been there for a while because i remember hearing unless there's other tanya but i've heard of a tanya and i don't know she just had that life for a long time or just when she was cute as a baby he must have he must have taught
1: her a lot of new tricks she she was very clever she used to balance on things and juggle and well we never really saw it because we were backstage
0: okay so this happens in a lot of shows and i was in a show with horses though sometimes there'd be horse poop on the stage we had a lion that sometimes (laughs) peed on the dancers at the current show the lido they had swans and sometimes there's swan poop did you (laughs) because i just know like we would come out in these beautiful costumes you had to be careful where you step so having an elephant i'm wondering if you guys ever had that glamorous uh thing to deal with one girl
1: stepped out and her bra twang and her falsies fell out on the stage. <laughs> remember rubber falsies? I oh yeah, just, those
0: are foam domes we used to call them that would kind of squish in there to push everything up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so We were spent the rest of the number
1: trying to kick it out of sight. <laughs> fell in the pool in the stardust.
0: <gasps> Wait, well, we you did?
1: A, I did. You we did? Had a, it had a they used to boast about, they had a great big waterfall, a jungle scene, and they had, they used to say, we have so many pumps pumping so many gallons of water a minute. And, um, and I've slipped because it used to splash on the stage and I slipped and I fell right in up to my, it wasn't deep, but it, the stage was up to my chest and I could just get a leg over to get out. Oh my
0: gosh. And this is the shows happening?
1: The show was happening, but so the audience just, is
0: seeing this, this show girl
1: coming out. From, <laughs> oh my gosh, and said, You look like a big toad climbing out of there, Paul. And I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> By the pumps. And but the stage hands had seen me, and they were all ready to give me a quick haul out. But I somehow, well, you could do it in those days, I put my leg above my head and
0: crawled out, and they were just <laughs> hysterical with <love>. laughter my gosh. And then you're wet. So are you on now there's probably water all over the stage from you. Yes, but it was a,
1: <laughs> a very skimpy. Well, a bikini costume with sort of ropes hanging off and they got all wet and dangled everywhere. And uh, But my girlfriend was very unsympathetic. She just she still laughed to this day.
0: <laughs> crawling out of oh. that waterfall. Oh my God. I fell, I was in South Pacific at a theater here and they had the waterfall and the hot tubs and I fell in because I, in the blackout, I just missed and fell backwards, but it just made me laugh because it's the most unglamorous thing ever to recover from when your makeup is wet and you're dripping everywhere. And if people don't laugh, I don't know how they can hold it together because sometimes you need that in the show, like mix things up. Like, oh, Paula fell in the water. (laughs) That makes that an interesting story for years. Yes,
1: yes. And then another time there was a very dramatic, this was again with the Ballet Laria, um, gaucho number. You know, We were all dressed, and they had their gaucho cloaks and uh, we had long skirts with a frilly petticoat and somebody's bra got hooked on this frilly petticoat. And we had a very <laughs> oh entrance, dramatic entrance across the stage and the, this bra is trailing, ding, 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 ding. <laughs>
0: Oh my oh. God, it's so fun because you could be a dancer for years, but those are the stories that, that you remember. You don't remember like 20 perfect shows in a row. You remember like the catastrophes, the animals, the, the, the drama, all the, all the stuff that happens that makes it so much, um, so much more fun for the storytelling. Yes. And then uh, sometimes the, the musicians used to dry up or lose
1: their place and then they'd all start again at a different section and the, oh. the lip, and we didn't know why, they, why they're going to start here. Yeah, There's in the beginning and it was, I don't know why they did it. It was some sort of, they were probably daydreaming and playing right? Away. Played it through oh my night
0: gosh. But, and um, that was funny. Cause you and don't see lip- the musicians. They only, you only see the dancers trying to get back on track. Yeah, oh, yeah where were the because i in the mgm and reno the musicians were down below like we didn't even see them there was a full orchestra so the audience really didn't know if it was live or not but you could feel it but it feels like there's no room on the stage maybe the lounge shows to have the musicians but was that the situation where you still doing live musicians and all the shows the, you
1: were in in the stardust they were up above on a sort of little island in the sky um they were there and oh we had um showgirls that used to come down on a pedestal from the ceiling just on a pole and a, a little platform and one of them got stuck there all practically <laughs> all through the, through the interval <laughs> and, had and she got so scared because they, they couldn't shake it and make it go again oh. and, they, and then they finally got it holed up
0: again Dagmar she was a German girl yes oh, oh man. yeah yeah because when things go wrong on those shows it's scary because like like suspended up above things or like you know whatever costume you're wearing with this way the stages move like we we were saying in hello Hollywood we, we could count like 108 ways to die in the show because <laughs> there's just so many things that your safety is dependent on and you know they're good at keeping track of that but still if something goes wrong or falling in you know in the water could have gone Oh, more gosh. scarier but yeah those things happen it is so weird now of things that would not be allowed <laughs> to be on stage or Elle and I would have been there with some paperwork stairs. steep steep stairs with a huge hat and you're not allowed
1: to look down are you and you had your train hooked yes. up and, oh, I yeah. couldn't do it now just into nothing you just had to count that there were 15 steps and you'd be on the flat
0: yeah yeah yeah, there that's I've done that with dancers of having them try to do like a little bit of stairs without. And I and they they just can't believe we did that, like especially with a big headpiece on to not look down. That's everything in your in you wants to make sure there's a stair there. But if you didn't count and you were one short or or <laughs> you could have a really bad misstep. Those are the things people don't think about, like how hard, you know, they think mm-hmm. you're just parading around, but it's there's a lot, a lot more to it. And the stamina, especially like when you were doing like no days off that's hard to believe um yeah that bodies can just keep going and going and going and then as i have my older body i think oh my gosh we were champions back then to be able to do what we were able to do so how long did you stay in las vegas total i think you told me but it was six six years six and then did you what what did you do from there were you going to keep dancing or what I feel like all of our dance careers end and they're all ending in different ways injured my back and couldn't dance anymore and um, oh. had bad arthritis
1: and by that time I'd married my second husband and um came home to England my parents had retired to England by then and yeah. he went to work and I, I couldn't dance anymore so With-
0: oh, that's yeah that's like it is a short career but an injury, because that's what's hard, because some people choose to stop performing and some people, the choice is made for them because of injury or other circumstances. But were you ready to be done or was that heartbreaking to just have that decided because of an injury?
1: I missed it so much.
0: and The company, the
1: girls, you know, and then the, the dressing room and the talk and the chat and the gossip and
0: everything like that. So, but you get used to it. So, Yeah. So, did you finish a contract or did you have to leave early because of your
1: I, I had to leave early because we had a very good union american guild of variety artists and mm. um we had a good k her name was a very good and she tried to get me free medical help and she found a doctor in hollywood and i went to him but uh, it was arthritis and injury so i couldn't dance again so
0: how, how old are you when that, when that ended?
1: 26, 25. Oh. Is, that's in Las Vegas in those days. Yeah, but and it's they,
0: still like, it's so young in context of arthritis and that much pain because it, it is like if you were doing that hard of work, how fast it can wear your body down that by 26 arthritis is.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: Wow. Did your body feel better when you stopped dancing or is it, did it continue to be an issue? i used
1: to get terrible bouts if i if i um strained it or pulled a my muscle or i couldn't do that i couldn't do ballet or anything like that then i'd be like flat on my back for three or four days and then wow. be better and so
0: and i didn't have um any talent to teach do you teach ballet or dancing or anything I, like that i have a dance studio i teach jazz and musical theater but yeah. Less physical than I used to be because it is like I have two hip replacements and a lot of it is those days of wearing the heels and kicking mostly on one leg. And it's just the out of balance, right? There's a lot of dancers that have hip replacements and back issues. And Ooh. even talking to my chiropractor when I was explaining the costumes and the backpacks, he goes, yeah, that, that would definitely take its toll on your back of just the costumes that we wore and wearing the heels and running in heels with all that up and down steel stares and yeah it's, it's a, it takes a toll on the body and it's not a very long career so when there's people that make it into their 40s which I've heard of a few I'm like that's that's really unusual
1: yes yes um, um and I'm pretty lucky I just have some hip pain now but my back sort of okay if I don't do anything violent but everybody says remarks on my feet so what young looking feet you have. And um that's what we all took care of, didn't we? You took care of oh, your feet.
0: It, yeah. Your oh my neck. gosh. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a good that's a, an unusual compliment. <laughs> <Wow>. Did you <laughs> did you stop dancing altogether then? Because of the yes. pain? So yes. what was life like when you came back to London? Were you were you just okay, I'm going to do something totally different now? Because that's a hard shift if you weren't prepared for it my
1: parents had retired to uh, a town outside london and built a house there and um i got very interested in antiques i loved antiques and went to all the fairs and had a little stall and i sold antiques really yeah in in the days we discover things before i don't know if you have heard of the antiques roadshow and yeah yeah uh, everybody knows what's what now, but you could find lovely pieces of silver and stuff and were just in a bunch of old teaspoons or something. It was great fun. And, and um, they were more like kindred spirits, the antique people, not so great laced and boring. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> well, and I was thinking of what a great opportunity, especially back in the late 50s and 60s, for for female to get to travel. You know, because I talked to... Oh my gosh. I just had her name. I forgot. Uh, Oh my gosh. Okay. Her name. She was wonderful. Elizabeth Phillips. She's 80, but she was just saying like when you're a young girl, you're either going to be a school teacher, a nurse, a secretary, a wife. And so to, to go, no, I'm going to go travel the world at such a young age as a female is really unusual. Uh, So even just your experience of travel, I don't know if that helps with antique, but you got to see so much of the world, Uh, that appreciation which I think a lot of women don't get even now but especially back then to have the experiences of seeing the world. I remember um, when we first went to Madrid in
1: 58 59 um, I I told my parents I was going to have four weeks in Madrid and of five or six weeks and I wrote them a letter and said we'd arrive safely, we were rehearsing and the show was this and that, and put a stamp on it and posted it. And they never got the letter. So they were frantic. They were out in Africa still. The British consul came to the backstage one night and said, This is Paula Colchester here. And I said, Yes. He said, Well, we've had a telegram for your parents. Would you please check up and see that she's all right? So that was nice.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow, that's good that somebody's looking out for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah so joanna I, can, I know she's off hiding in the side because i heard her um you went to the reunion because yeah. i know like you said like there's i actually had a few friends i wanted to see and i had one that passed recently so there's something of hoping to see your friends you worked with and then maybe you're the only one from your show but also just there was such a range of age like what was it like? And I'm also curious if Joanne wants to come on screen. Like what was it like? Because i just curious if she knew that part of your life and she's seen photos to know that you were this beautiful showgirl back in the day, or was that something mothers don't tell their daughters? If it was like oh, my mother was a showgirl in Paris.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> when you say dance, everybody assumes you were topless, don't they? Yeah. Well, they they used to, but no, we 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 had lots of costumes and you guys were I covered. Did- we went to Las Vegas last year and I did email a couple of friends. or um, One, J- Josie's my age, who was in the Moulin Rouge and she married a pit boss. She was still there. Really? And, yeah, and another one, <laughs> Eileen, she was even younger than me. She was 16. She left, she, she went to the Stardust with the Bluebells and then she became a Hollywood extra and did a lot of dancing in the films. And do you remember the film with the VW, Herbie? Herbie the yes. VW, yeah. she did a lot of those films. And she oh, lived really? in, Toronto. and we were gonna all meet up in Las Vegas, but somehow we got our wires crossed and I said, I'm coming on such and such a date. And I, I didn't hear anything from them. So I didn't meet up with them, So, which was sad, which would have been nice.
0: Hmm. So you went to Paris with just your daughter?
1: Just me, and you, yes.
0: Just yes. you? Oh, yes. Okay.
1: And second time we went with my daughter's fiance. This last
0: one, last year. Yes. Last year. that was at that one, which now that I've done these interviews, I wish I could redo because now I would come look for you and sit and have a coffee with you and talk in person <laughs> because yeah, there were so many people to see and there's so many wonderful things to do. But it was really hard yeah. to connect with many people with more than just, you know, while we're standing in line to talk to them. But now I want, wish I had more time to like connect with people I worked with because that was even hard to find them. And then to meet all these other people to find out like how we really are the same Bluebell family if it was back in the 50s or the current cast. And I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but I love listening to the younger ones that were in the show that we saw that night how much yeah. it meant to them to when the curtain came up to hear all of us yelling and clapping for them, they a lot of them. So they got goosebumps and they went, Oh, this is the legacy. Like we're, we're keeping it going. And all these wonderful people out in the audience are, are part of it. So that part I thought was really emotional to see like all these stories really matter. That's why I wanted to do the podcast because every story is different of how we got there and how it affected our life. And then the fact that we're still connected through, through that. So um, was that, was it good to see the show or did it bring up any heartache or did you some people leave that part of their life behind and for kind of forget about it then when they go see it it kind of comes back again of what they were part of did that do anything for your for your memory and your um, connection to it no not really other parts
1: of paris did because that's where i met my first husband and going down by the Seine and on a boat on the Seine, and but it's been so long now, and I've had such a different life. We lived in Australia for a while, so everything's receded. But um, I still have nightmares of quick changes. Do you? <laughs> yes,
0: that comes up with so many bluebells of the quick change, and they can't find their fishnets. Or they, for me, it's always above where we would preset our headpieces.
1: It's always yes. a headpiece
0: I can't find, or somebody moved it and I can't find it.
1: What and are yours?
0: You have the same thing. Yes, it's so interesting. Oh, it's still there. You can get your gloves on.
1: Yes. Oh Even, my gosh.
0: Yes. So yeah. did your daughter know that part of your life? Did she see pictures or know that that's what you did? Or was that just not until later in her life?
1: She does oral history and she's always get, trying to get me to talk. And, um,
0: hmm
1: no it was long gone by the time she was born
0: yeah yeah because I think my and daughter I, I mean she knew I danced but then it was later in her 20s where she's she helps me with the podcast of getting up there but like she's seeing the photos the way she I think it's been fun for her to hear that where before I thought oh they won't get it or they'll think it's scandalous especially since I did dance topless but my kids are totally fine with it but it's like if they only know you as mom that cooks and does all that stuff and then to go Wait, That's... you worked in, you met Elvis Presley? Like your stories are not like other mothers. No,
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, it's, it's strange. You, sometimes you don't even talk about it, do you? Because you think these people are never going to, do they well, they think you're just waffling on and not talking about it? And
0: Yeah, it's so different. Like I think when I talk to other bluebells, it's so fun to be able to just say what it was where when people who didn't live that life were like, I had, for, I had a friends that thought it was exaggerating you know like oh we swam with dolphins here we did this because just the opportunity for travel and then to go oh wait you really did this because it seems like some made up fairy tale life of some of the things that that we experienced of living in you know as a dancer and living as a bluebell in in Las Vegas and Paris I mean that's not everybody's you know normal story no no so we're gonna we're gonna end here pretty soon and this has been delightful to hear your story because I just love uh, I mean, all those stories, are there's, there's funny stories, there's sweet stories, there's sad stories, and that's what makes a, a good story. Um, so when you think back of that, that time as a dancer, is there anything that stands out to you that maybe changed who you are from having that part of that in your life?
1: Um, yes, because when I was at my ballet school, I was not five foot nine, and and pretty much ignored because I wasn't very good. But getting around all the other Bluebell girls and because I'd had a good training and I could do all the steps and I picked up everything quickly and I was a swing girl, um, that gave me a lot of confidence. It, yeah. Nobody knew my background uh, that, I had, that I hadn't gone to dance in Swan Lake and that gave me a lot of confidence to to dance like that. Because mm. we, we had very strict ballet teachers, and they, they, they all had their favorites, you know. And But it was good to be among, amongst other big, tall girls and not be the one girl who stood out.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you even said giraffe. There's one girl that I titled her episode. Oh, it's like I found my baby giraffe finds her family because she <laughs> just was saying that she felt like the, the giraffe. And so when she came in and there's all these other giraffes, you don't – it's like there's so many great Disney movies that are about that, the one that's different – and they finally, at the end of the, the story or the movie, they finally find their their people, their tribe, their herd. So there yeah. is something like, okay, I'm not the odd one. There's a whole bunch of us that need to come together. That's why I think that the reunion, it was so glorious to come around the corner and trying to find the Lido and just all these tall women all dressed up and like, there we are, that's my people. I still feel that, oh. even though a lot of us have shrunk a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember
1: we... Um... We all had, my mother, we used to say I had feet like a Glasgow policeman because I was size eight, but they, they weren't <laughs> to my size. And um, we went to Paris and we uh, they had all these beautiful shoe shops and um, lovely, exquisite French shoes. And we used to go in and try and ask for my size. And they'd say, oh, la, la, no, we don't have anybody that size. But, but it was nice. <laughs> And all the other girls who had the same size feet.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because I felt, but also for, I'm not five, 9 no, I'm five, eight. I was five, nine and I'm like eight and a half. And that's actually, I know people that are five, five that have that same shoe size. So I'm always like, Wait, right. my feet, that for proportion wise, that's not big, but yeah, if, it's, if they're only selling it to tiny, tiny women, that seems big, but in proportion, it's not big feet, it's just taller body. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Paula, yeah. this was wonderful. And um, Julie Gunna sent me some wonderful um, photos. If you're okay with me sharing that when I, when I put the podcast out, cause I love, love, love the, the makeup is different and the it's, just, they're beautiful photos, very elegant. So we can show that so people can see sure. some yeah. backstage at the, the Moulin Rouge and on stage. So be well. And um, if there's another reunion, I will, I will come find you and then uh, sit, be nice. and have, sit and have a tea. Okay, well thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And we make yep. it work across the across the world with Zoom is so amazing, but we can connect while we're all in quarantine and still feel like a part of something.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: Okay. Well, it was nice talking about it and nice meeting um, you. Yeah, and it is interesting. You might have some more dreams of backstage now cuz <laughs> once those memories come up you start thinking about it more and then i've had more weird dreams since i started doing this podcast of on stage backstage stuff so be prepared <laughs> it's going to be more okay thank you so much paula okay bye bye